Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast being recorded on February 25th in the beautiful Fairfield Inn and Suites, Duluth, Georgia. Tonight, we're talking about road food. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And like I had said in the intro, I am in Duluth, Georgia to wrap up the end of the month. So the previous week, last week, I stayed in state, stayed local, made a quick two-day trip to South Florida and then back up to O-Town for the weekend. And we ended up kind of hanging out local on Saturday. We spent the morning at a place called Wakaiva Island. And Wakaiva had been on our stop. And we lived just actually outside the Wakaiva State Park. And Wakaiva Island had been a place that we had wanted to go to. But every single picture that we saw, it looked like it was only accessible via canoe or or through the water. And turns out we were wrong because we started thinking about it. They got a restaurant. How are they? The guys from Cisco are certainly not filling up a canoe and paddling out frozen broadwurst out to the island. So we did find a way into it. And at first appearance, Wakaiva Island reminded me of a cross between the bar and the movie Porky's, if you put on your Wayback hat. And most any place that's ever been spotlighted on the Floor Bama show on MTV. But don't let that fool you. Yes, we were drinking before 11 a.m. in the morning, a Bloody Mary for the CEO. And this Florida man was drinking a Florida man double IPA from Cigar City over in Tampa. And it was a great way to start our Saturday. And being situated right on the water, there's plenty of canoe and kayak traffic. And that didn't stop the egrets and the river otters from putting on a show for us. The bar wall or the wall behind the bar is stocked with what makes Florida, Florida. Alligator skins, deer and and fish mounts mixed in with rattlesnake skins. I mean, this is the kind of place that John Anderson sings about in his songs. If you're not much of a bar fly guy or gal, there had to have been at least 25 Adirondack chairs stationed strategically along the seawall just waiting for you to sit back and enjoy the morning sun. And I think that morning we had woken up to temperatures in the 40s, which for Central Florida is a bit on the chilly side. But it was nice to sit out there and let the the sun warm us up. And since this is a food-themed episode, and honestly, aren't they all, you can grab a bite to eat at the Without a Paddle Cafe food truck with such delicacies as a blackened mahi. They had coconut shrimp and, of course, gator tacos. Um, The gator tacos had a... Jack and cheddar cheese topped with a mango salsa. I mean, it tastes, if you say it tastes the same as chicken, you're lying. It's much better than chicken. And if you've never had gator, you can always tell an old gator, if you're eating old gator meat, if it's got kind of a gray tinge to it. Doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's a, a gator that's managed to make it to the top of the food chain for several years or for several decades. And what was really cool about Wakaiva Island was they had cabanas and they rentals started at about a hundred bucks a day and went up from there. And the cabanas were really sweet. Each one had at least a sofa and a couple of chairs with upholstered 
camo cushions. This is Florida after all. And they had, all of them had some sort of a table for laying your own food and drinks on. There was no shortage of gas grills in case you wanted to impress the place with your grill skills. If you're renting a cabana, you could then bring in your own food and beverage. If you're there just to kind of hang out, uh, they don't allow, they only allow you to purchase their beverage and food. They rent just about every style of human powered floating vessel from canoes to kayaks. They had singles and doubles. They had paddle boards. There's actually a boat ramp in case you want to bring your own, but no motors above 25 horsepower on the water. You know, if you're looking for a place to wind down the week, check out their fire pit Fridays. There's this huge steampunk styled industrial grade fire pit that's central to the to the property, and they fired up on Fridays. This Friday the 28th, they're serving up London broil. I mean, not a bad way to wind down your week. So the other day, I was perusing the interwebs and came across the points guy uh, from the blogosphere, and he had published, or they had published, 35 of the top hotel restaurants you need to add to your itinerary. The list offered up stops we've all heard of. You know, when in New York, visit Gemma or Augustine, and what I've always found with those places, and even if it's not attached to a hotel, even if you go, like recently we went to the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, the issue with going to places like that for me is the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to leave disappointed that it doesn't live up to the hype. It guaranteed, it's, it's normally going to be good, right? I really, truly expected the Anchor Bar to be great. And a friend of mine and I left there, and we commented that we both had had better wings at the Hilton Garden Inn. So to me, going to those high-end places or those places that are just touted, the only thing it's going to do is leave you disappointed. Yeah, at minimum, you're going to get a good meal. And people don't talk about the disappointments because you don't want to be that guy. Traveling is a perfect opportunity to expand your culinary boundaries. So don't just go to the high-name places. Always try to eat local. Tonight, we're talking about road food, and this isn't the same as eating while on the road. For me, eating while on the road usually involves some sort of destination. For example, when I'm in Franklin, North Carolina, the hotspot gas station up there has a place called the Cafe Real. Cafe Real is this French-styled restaurant with a focus on sandwiches and pasta. Yeah, it's a bit confusing, but it is legit. The menu is as diverse as you would expect a place that spells cafe with two F's and puts an apostrophe over the end of it. You'll start with a plate of wonderfully fresh, warm bread in this delicious oil and tomato sauce mixture to our dipping sauce. Order the crab bisque. You need to order the crab bisque. Start the meal with the crab bisque. Franklin, North Carolina is probably 300 miles from the ocean, but somehow they have found a way to source some pretty solid crabs. That doesn't sound good, but they've got great, great crab bisque. The opal basil shrimp is something to behold. And of course, I'm a sandwich guy, and their Philly is truly a work of art. Perfectly seasoned, juicy meat smothered in a fresh cheese sauce. It really doesn't get much better. When I'm in Meridian, Mississippi, whether I need fuel or not, I stop at Seafood Express located inside the Green Maple Leaf gas station. And yes, that is the name of it, the Green Maple Leaf gas station <laughs> for probably some of the best po' boys around. And while you're there, definitely get the catfish po' boy. I think it's better than the shrimp. Mississippi catfish cannot be beaten. It's probably one of the best, but also get a side of fried oysters. 
your stomach will thank you. For me, no trip to Birmingham, Alabama is complete without a stop at the Golden Rule Barbecue in Irondale. You know, when it comes to barbecue, for me, the rating is in the mouth of the eater. For Texas-style barbecue all the way up to the vinegar-based sauces, there's more variations of barbecue than Larry King has had wives, it seems like. And when you think of a barbecue pit, this is the place. The pit boss has been there since the mid-70s. There's a memorial on the wall to all of the employees with 30-plus years of service. The meal there, when I go there, starts out with bottles, not cans, of the Champagne of Beers Miller. A sliced barbecue sandwich with homemade coleslaw and fries is a whopping $7, so you can make money on your per diem. The pork is just got this beautiful smoke ring encased this delicious bark. It's just truly wonderful. The The bun is a Southern white bread, the kind that was made just for barbecue. Do yourself a favor, sit at the counter so you can watch the pit boss work his magic. So that to me is eating on the road. That I don't call road food. And road trips are fun, but at the, some point you're going to find yourself hungry. And that gas station won't have a Cafe Real or a Seafood Express attached to it. And, you know, besides, you might be participating in something like the Cannonball Run, and you really don't have time for a sit-down. If you're fortunate, you can come across a Flying J or a Pilot gas station. Most of these places do offer some sort of a fast food restaurant. They offer a, uh, a variety of, of grab-and-go foods. A good freshness indicator to me is if there's dust on the package, it's probably not that fresh. But generally at Flying J's or Pilots, you won't find those kind of things. But for this edition, this episode, we're going to talk about food that's never had a heartbeat, contains ingredients you, I, and probably my mother more than likely won't be able to pronounce. And it was probably actually birthed or constructed in a lab this is the kind of road food that you're going to eat while you're driving. I'm not a fan of eating while driving. And full disclosure, I'm not a fan of eating in my car and not because of the safety concerns. I could certainly blaze down the road steering with my knees. I'm more worried about taking a bite out of a Taco Bell burrito and then suddenly all that refried bean goodness oozing out the other end of that processed tortilla making a mess of my clothes. For most road trips, I'm wearing some sort of dress clothes, so this has a huge bearing on my food choices. For example, as much as I love powdered donuts, this is not an acceptable road food, especially when I am wearing black pants. Same thing with ramen noodles. I mean, who doesn't like a nice bowl of ramen? More than likely, the first bite of either one of those two is going to cover my shirt or pants and something that will stain. I typically stay away from chocolate candies like snow caps and M&Ms. They're small in size, perfect for eating, but also small in size, making it really easy for a piece to fall out of my hand and end up under my butt where it melts. When you exit the car, you got melted chocolate all over the seat of the pants. I'll let you put together the visual for that. I love pizza. Guess what? It's a no-go. Even the quick trip pizza that you buy that's individually sliced, is just an absolute grease bomb begging to be dropped into your lap. So here's a pro tip. Foods requiring both hands for consumption need to be avoided no matter how skilled you are at driving with your knees. I do have a buddy, let's say, that loves snow cones, and he, they, he loves hitting up the roadside snow cone stands, and he actually has a snow cone towel 
that when he pulls in, when he places his order, he lays a snow cone towel in his lap to catch all the snow cone goodness that falls off his chin and out of the cup. If you are choosing gas station food, it needs three things. Taste, portability, and it has to fill you up. Grabbing a package of Swedish fish or Twizzlers is tasty and portable, but after the sugar buzz wears off, you will once again be hungry. So here's my disclaimer. Provided you're not gluten or lactose intolerant, equipped with some sort of a nut allergy, been blessed with high blood pressure and or diabetes, and have decided to go vegan, the foods below should sustain you till you get to your destination for at least for a few hours. First on the list is beef jerky and Slim Jims, and, and actually make that any processed meat product wrapped in plastic that doesn't need refrigeration. And who in the heck came up with the pricing for beef jerky? I was actually at the store this afternoon, a grocery store. It was $15 for a bag of beef jerky. The positives with beef jerky and those processed meats is they are high in protein, easy to eat, and generally little or no mess. The negatives, they are high in salt and the smell might offend your passengers, which might be a good thing depending on who you're riding with. Beef jerky, like I said, can be a tad expensive, especially when purchased in a gas station. Looks for your uh, big Costco or Sam's going there and buy a, a $10 or $15 bag, and that'll get you through most trips. Most every gas station will have a rack filled with Little Debbie snacks. Oatmeal pies to cosmic brownies, there is a snack for everybody. My personal favorite, the Nutty Buddy, or anything from their zebra collection. Little Debbie's are produced by McKee Foods in a small town just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. To this day, they are still family-owned. In addition to Little Debbie's, they also produce Sunbuilt cereal and granola, Heartland brands, and, of course, Drake's Cakes. Drake's, if you're not familiar with them, introduce such staples as the Ring Ding, Yodels, and the Devil Dogs. So over the years, I've been fortunate enough to do several projects with McKee, and they are some of the nicest people on the planet. After each visit, when we would leave, the receptionist would give us at least a box or two of their tasty treats. Then we'd head down the road towards their thrift store, where for 20 bucks I could usually purchase enough snacks to get the kids through several months of school lunches. Little Debbie Snacks, the positive, it is as tasty as it gets, inexpensive, easy to hold, and almost, almost never expires. Don't forget their seasonal offerings, such as the fall party cakes. They just finished up Valentine's Day, so they had some white cake hearts they were selling. The negatives with Little Debbie's is they are loaded with sugar and really not the most filling. You know, if you happen to throw back four or five of them, keep an eye on that calorie content. No list would be complete without roller food. That's those tasty cylindrical tubes of nutrition. Ugh. Looking to snack on an egg roll, tamale, hot dog, or taquito while driving 60, 70 miles an hour? Then grab a pair of tongs and pluck a few of these rolling beauties off the rack. The positives, cheap. Usually they're a dollar. They taste good, relatively filling. And like I said, where else can you eat from three different ethnicities, all in a single stop, all for under five bucks. The negatives, be careful. These are the type of items that you can load up with salsa, ketchup, and mustard. It's very easy to end up with a gooey mess in your lap. 
Here's another pro tip. Stay away from any item that's not rolling, a sure sign that the bottom is more than likely flat, overcooked, and has been on the rack for several hours. Cowtails, this is one of my favorite snacks, candies of all time. Usually it's an impulse buy because they're normally located right by the cash register. Combine cowtails with some sort of a roller food and you have a perfect snack. String cheese and almonds, both tasty, relatively healthy. Pork cracklings is another favorite. Use extreme caution as these tasty pig bits can be rock hard and no one wants a chipped tooth while traveling, especially if you're going to a business meeting. Stay away from the crackers. Yes, endless flavors. Of course, they're delicious. They're easy to hold, but they do tend to crumble and cause quite a mess. The one area that I stay away from is the refrigerated pre-made sandwich and salad selection. You have no idea how many times this stuff has gone from warm to rechilled to warm back to chilled. I guarantee you that most of the sandwiches you buy are going to be soggy. Stay away from gas station fruit. Bananas covered in spots are sketchy as hell. Of course, the simple solution is pack your own food, which I do on occasion. But seriously, eating grapes and celery sticks isn't a lot of fun. And besides, it tastes like you're eating grapes and celery sticks. Also, we've talked about this before, but keep a package of wet wipes in the glove box. No one wants to shake your hand if it's covered in a gooey honey bun residue. If you are a traditionalist and lean towards the golden arches, there's nothing wrong with that. Be careful because their products can be wrought with seepage and spillage. For some reason, the consistency of McDonald's ketchup makes it want to slide out of the bun. I mean, have you ever eaten a quarter pounder where your fingers aren't coated in ketchup? You know, in all honesty, the quarter pounder is not a bad burger. It's just, again, not designed to be eaten while you're driving. And again, the construction of it is going to depend on the person that's actually making it. Plus, it's tough to dip your McDonald's fries in their hot mustard sauce while driving. If you happen to be enamored with the Quarter Pounder, I have found a way for you to enjoy, I don't know if it's beauty and taste, but definitely its smell. Golden Arches Unlimited is offering a Quarter Pounder scented candle pack, a set of eight custom scented candles in glass containers. Inspired by the Quarter Pounder, the ingredients. There's a bun candle, a ketchup candle, a pickle cheese onion candle, and 100% fresh beef. Wait for it. Burn them together for a maximum deliciousness. And as you would well guess, they are sold out. You know, road food doesn't have to be boring. Use your next trip to try something new, something different. I went through a phase of visiting places featured on diners, drive-ins, and dives. You know, possibly we'll use some of those stops for an upcoming episode. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening and safe travels. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.